Welcome to the Convention of States Legacy Podcast, a weekly program that looks back at historic content from our archives. We hope you are educated and inspired by today's edition. Today, you will get to hear audio from a simulated Article 5 convention with 49 state delegations consisting mostly of sitting or previous state legislators. Hosted by Convention of States Foundation in August of 2023, the event was held in Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia. In Part 9 of the final plenary session, commissioners debate and vote on Proposal 3 as offered by the Committee on Federal Legislative and Executive Jurisdiction. So we have one final proposal. It regards the return of lands from the federal government. And I'd like to uh, recognize Representative Ken Ivory. And we will have until uh, until 3 o'clock to finish the debate on this proposal. (laughs) Thank you, Mr. President. I would uh, first suggest the title be the Local Care and Management of Public Lands. Given that we are in uh, such an amazing place and we have learned so much about the process, about our nation, about the fate of our nation, I would like to enter uh, the discussion on this issue with a quiz, if you'll indulge me, uh, if you would. Which Western state sent a resolution to Congress complaining that the control of their lands was an oppressive system, that it involved questions of the deepest magnitude, the most serious issues of the Union, the question was of the highest importance to those charged with the care of the Union, that the deprivation of the essential attributes of sovereignty were at stake, that the control and care of their local police power was at stake. The, uh, that it restricted the power of the state to determine their own prosperity according to their own views of happiness, and that they were deprived of the right to generate revenue from the lands in their states, and that there was no constitutional right or authority whatsoever for the federal government to retain more than 98% of the land in their, in their state. Virginia. It was actually our good friends from Illinois over here, the land of Lincoln and Reagan. 98.75% of the land in Illinois was controlled from the 1820s to about the 1870s. Florida used to send resolutions to Congress saying they were the worst off of all the western states. I'm glad you all get that. There are a lot of crowds that don't actually get that joke. Worst off of all the western states. They couldn't... uh, grow their economy, their kids were leaving the state because the federal government was controlling all their land. Same thing with Arkansas, with Missouri, with Alabama, with Indiana, Iowa. For decades, 98% federally controlled. Today, those of you that are east of the Rockies are paying billions of dollars for the U.S. Forest Service to manage our forests for maximum combustion. (laughs) I wish that were a joke. They get paid when the forest burns. But worst of all, worst of all, is that when these states are deprived of property tax and the replacement is something called PILT, payment in lieu of taxes. Now in the West, we call it pennies in lieu of trillions. 
Because the Government Accountability Office has said that in just Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, there's more recoverable oil than the rest of the world combined, locked up in federally controlled lands. And so I would submit to you that we have before us an opportunity to rectify one of the greatest constitutional affronts that you find in Article 4 of the Constitution. The only reason the federal government ever held title to any of these lands, just like Illinois, just like Florida, just like Arkansas and the rest, was as a trustee to dispose of the land in a timely manner. And we have a trustee that since the beneficiaries forgot the terms of the trust, the trustee has said, must be mine. But those were the terms of the trust. You'll, you'll know that when Thomas Jefferson acquired 530 million acres of land, he trusted the people with land and with liberty. And there was the greatest economic explosion that the world had seen to that point. We're talking potentially about 30% more land than the Louisiana Purchase. And if we trust people with land and liberty and self-governance, I submit to you, we have the opportunity to unleash the greatest environmental, economic, and constitutional renaissance. Because when the Western states are deprived of property tax, they simply hold this pilt gun to the western state's head and they say, if you want your pilt, you've got to vote for a trillion dollar increase in government. That actually happened in 2014. Trillion dollar increase in government because the western states are exploitable. In the Shelby, I'm finished with this for the introduction. In the Shelby County versus Holder case, the Supreme Court said that the constitutional equality of the states is fundamental to the harmonious operation of the republic. And we all know the whole divide and conquer when the states are not equal in sovereignty, dignity, and freedom, simply play one off of another. This is part of why our constitutional system is so imbalanced right now. And so commissioners, I would submit that to end the day, we do have the opportunity to unleash economic, environmental, and constitutional renaissance in the United States by passing this proposal and putting this before the people. Representative Ivory, you now have an amendment, if you would offer that. Uh, I have, there, the, there's an amendment. I will yield to the gentleman for Virginia. Hi, Gary Porter from Virginia. In the haste of composing this yesterday, we overlooked a caveat that should be included, and I would propose a new Section 5, replacing the present Section 5, and the present Section 5 moves to Section 6. And it may be that since that was passed on another one, that could, 6 could even be deleted. Possibly, yes. Well, that would have to be a separate action. But a new Section 5 to read, this amendment shall not apply to lands or military installations with respect to which jurisdiction has been ceded to the United States by a state, lands belonging to an Indian tribe or to lands that, as of January 1st, 1976, are designated as national parks, national monuments, or as congressionally designated wilderness under the Wilderness Act of 1964, 16 U.S. Code, Section 1131, at Segway. All right, so an amendment has been offered up to exempt certain lands from this. 
Uh, do we have questions? We have questions on the amendment. That should be, yeah, that should be 1976 as well. So parks that were created recently would not be included in it? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. That would be the jurisdiction of the, of the state. The challenge that we have is, and the question is, uh, why 1976? 1976 was the passage of the Federal Land Policy and Management Act. That was the first time that the federal government said we're not going to keep the promise to dispose of the land like they did with all the states east of the Rockies. The western states have the exact same terms of statehood, word for word. In fact, Montana and Washington share the same Enabling Act document with North and South Dakota. That same document created those four states. And the terms to dispose of the land were the same. 1976 was the first time that Congress said it's now our policy to retain these lands in federal ownership. Never mind the Constitution. Never mind the Northwest Ordinance that was adopted in. Never mind the enabling acts of the states, which they call solemn compacts. 1976 was the first time they said it's now our policy to retain these lands in federal ownership. And so it does not mean that they would and, and there, there are few national parks in the western states since then, doesn't mean that they would not be retained, but that would be the consent of the state legislature. The biggest issue we have, though, is that it was from that time forward that we had presidents that began to make million-acre monuments with the stroke of a pen. And so that's the reason for that date. All right, so is there any objection to the amendment? Any further discussion on the amendment? Yes, ma'am. Come forward if you would. Thank you, Mr. President. This is not an objection. This is just a clarification. What was read as the amendment is still not quite right on the board because national parks were mentioned in the statement of the amendment, but I'm not seeing them on the screen. So if we could just get that clarified. That's my fault, actually. I believe in the haste of texting to our good secretary, I, uh, I may have overlooked that, but you're correct. That should be national parks. Uh, so the secretary will work on that, and let's continue our discussion. Yes, sir, you had a comment? No. Oh. Another amendment? Did you say another amendment? Okay. So any further discussion on this amendment by uh, Representative Ivory, uh, yes, sir. That's the only change. Yeah. Did I think they did? Thank you, Mr. President, Senator Fortunato, uh, Washington State. So, in the interest of time, uh, I would like to propose at the same time we strike what is now Section Six. We included it in both amendment or both amendments. The previous Commerce one, which is actually a little more applicable. So this is duplicative. So at the same time, in the interest of saving time. Strike section six, this is which on is the already waters. Pardon me? Navigable waters. Right. So it's already approved in a previous amendment that we adopted. So we have to consider this amendment, I think, first. If, if he were to make that as a substitute amendment, or I would be happy to include that in my, well, no, I guess the gentleman from Let's just Virginia. Deal with, we'll deal with your amendment first. Is there any objection to Representative Ivory's amendment? It's, uh, we have, yes, sir. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, Walter Edson from Minnesota. I rise to ask a question of uh, Representative Ivory, if he may. Um, Representative Ivory, this is a question for you. 
My question is regarding the language referring to an Indian or Indian tribe. I'm wondering if uh, that language has the intended effect um, or if it would be more appropriate to refer to um, native sovereign nations simply because it could be interpreted as uh, property that's actually part of the jurisdiction of a state that happens to be owned by an organization that has tribal affiliations as opposed to politically designated tribal land. It, if I may, Mr. President? Yes. So, yes, and it's a great question. We actually looked at that at some length when we did the original bill in Utah. The phrasing in the Constitution is exactly this Indian or Indian tribe, and so that's, uh, I appreciate the concern. We had those same concerns. We looked through that, and that was the, until, the, until that phrasing and the rest of the Constitution is changed, this is the constitutional phrasing. All right, so Representative Ivory has offered up this amendment. Actually, Mr. Uh, Cooper. Mr. Cooper has offered it up. This is Mr. The, Porter, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Porter from Virginia. Mr. Porter from Virginia, yes. Is there objection to? All right, then. Um, looks like Hawaii wants to talk. Hawaii wants to speak on this? Yes, sir. Thank you, Representative Irie. Um, so the state of Hawaii used to be the kingdom of Hawaii, so any wording in this amendment would still uh, be insensitive to a lot of our constituents. Um, but if you would include the words uh, Hawaiian homelands or Hawaii lands, uh, that might help. Uh, the word Indian is rather outdated. I recommend, as the other person mentioned, um, indigenous people, indigenous nation, or Native Americans. Yeah, I, I appreciate the comment. And actually, Hawaii is such a wonderful, wonderful example. Uh, in 1959, Hawaii was granted control over virtually all of its lands under the trust of the state and at the same time Alaska that was admitted virtually the same time uh, they retained 265 million acres of land and so I think where this isn't uh, impacting on uh, any of the native people themselves as a people we're talking about the land and the way they describe the land in the Constitution is the Indian Indian tribe. And so uh, I mean, I'd be happy to, 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 to deal with the nomenclature, but since that's the constitutional nomenclature, I would suggest that it may be more appropriate to stay with what we have here. All right, so the amendment has been offered by Representative Ivory. There is objection, is that correct? Someone from Oklahoma, Commissioner from Oklahoma, yes, sir, identify yourself. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, my question is, is uh, we are currently going to um, reference a section of law now in our Constitution. What do we do on the day when Congress changes that section of law to make their definition mean anything within the nation or that they deem necessary as their land? I, I think the gentleman raises a very excellent point. Um, it may be that we simply uh, reference the Wilderness Act without the site to, uh, to the code in the Constitution, since that is not uh, constitutional construction, as I'm aware. I think the gentleman raises a very valid point. Yes, sir. Point of order. Yeah, 
So the problem with referencing an act is the act can be changed, and then in effect you're changing the Constitution. Yes. I'd like to offer an amendment to uh, strike the language after wilderness, strike under the Wilderness Act, 16 U.S., C-1131. Okay. All right, so the Secretary, do you have that? I, I would consider that a friendly <laughs> amendment. I'm sorry, what? I would consider that a friendly amendment. All right, so we have an amendment pending to strike the language about the Wilderness Act. Is that correct? Well, it's just, yes, it's the, the act, and then we've got some, uh, some Scrivener issues that may uh, work well. The semicolon after state to a comma, move the date to the end instead of the middle. All right, so Representative Ivory has offered up these, this amendment. Is there any discussion on the amendment? Any objection to the amendment? All right, then. All in favor of the amendment will signify by saying aye, and those opposed will say nay. All in favor, say aye. aye. Those opposed, nay. And the amendment is adopted. Thank you. Do we have any further amendments? So that was the, that was the amendment to the amendment. Oh, that was the amendment to the amendment. So now we're back on the main amendment. All right. We're back on your main amendment. We've accepted this, correct? Well, we've amended the amendment, but we still have an amendment pending that the parliamentarian tells me. Yeah, so is there any objection to that amendment, to the main amendment? All right. Uh, all in favor of the amendment will signify by saying aye. Those opposed will say nay. All in favor say aye. Aye. Those opposed, nay. And the amendment is adopted. So we're back now to the main proposal itself. And do we have any yes. further discussion of it? Yes. An amendment. You have an amendment. Yes, sir. Mr. Chairman, uh, Dan Larson from Wyoming. Uh, I have an amendment in Section 2 and in Section 3. They're pretty much the same. After, on the second line, uh, after land, insert, and mineral rights. And then on Section 3, uh, after remaining lands, insert, and mineral rights. This is a big deal for Wyoming if... Uh, if we did get the land and had to uh, deal with the uh, cost of service of that land, uh, having the minerals underneath is, is vital. All right. Is there, are there any questions on this amendment regarding mineral rights? New Hampshire has a point of order. If you would state your point. Yeah, parish was changed earlier. County equivalent. Yeah. All right, we have the language ready to be displayed. Are there any questions on it? Yes, ma'am, you're uh, recognized for questions. Well, Senator, I don't mean to be overlooking you. Perhaps I was. I apologize. Sorry, did I, did I I left the Go ahead. Well, we just wanted to bring the point in, is, is this still has the old Section 5, which is now Section 6, on the screen? Yep, yep, yep. We're working on that. So. Okay, we're working on that. All right, and uh, did you, if, if, while you're waiting, if I would speak to the amendment just to, uh, I would say that it's a friendly amendment. In 1932, Democrat Governor George Dern from Utah rallied all of the western states to Congress in the middle of the Depression. They actually had a bill pending 
that was titled Granting Unremaining Public Lands to the States. And as they were having the debate, the agency said, fine, fine, we'll give you all the surface land. We're just going to keep all the minerals. And Governor Dern said, if you do that, you'll keep everything that's worth anything at all. You'll leave us with nothing but the skin of a squeezed lemon. And they pulled that back and reserved. And then we hit the Depression, World War II, and then everyone forgot history again. All right. Do we have any further discussion on the amendment? We do. Who wished to be heard? Yes, yes, ma'am. Thank you, Mr. President, for uh, Representative Ivory. Um, not to throw a um, giant wrench, but do you want to do anything about water rights as long as we're doing something about mineral rights? You know, um, and it's a, it's a wonderful question, Mr. President. Um, mineral rights and land rights are very connected, and they were dealt with in homesteading and others. Water rights were very separate in there. Uh, a unique state law creature, and so I would just uh, respond to the to the a good commissioner from Montana that while water is a very tremendous issue, uh, whiskey's for drinking, water's for fighting out west. That uh, that would be a, a another issue for another day that that does need great attention as the U.S. Forest Service has has lodged 16,000 diligence claims to water in Utah based on the bunnies and the deer that preceded the pioneers. And it's a big issue, but it's, I, I would submit it's separate than this one. So do we have a pending amendment? So we still have the amendment pending on mineral rights. Any further discussion on that amendment? Hearing none, uh, is there any objection to that amendment? All right, we're gonna go ahead and vote. All those in favor of that amendment by saying aye. Those opposed will say nay. In favor, say aye. Aye. And those opposed, nay. The amendment is adopted. Any further discussion on the proposal? Yes, sir. Uh, Mr. President, we would propose to strike the new section six, which is, we've already adopted in the previous commerce amendment. This is to strike the language on navigable waters. Is that right? Mm. Consider that a friendly amendment, Mr. President. Yes, that's a friendly amendment. And um, do we need to display that? I, I think it's pretty straightforward. We have a, any discussion on that proposal? Yes, sir. From the state of North Carolina. And identify yourself, please. I actually, yeah, John Malcolm. I, I actually would oppose this for a very simple reason. If this were an actual convention, these amendments would be considered one at a time, and the other one might get struck down, and this one might get approved. Any further discussion? So we have the amendment to take out the, the inevitable waters, and there's an objection to that. Any further discussion on it? Any further discussion? All right, then. Uh, all of those who are in favor of the amendment will vote yes, and those opposed will, all will vote aye. Those opposed will vote nay. So all in favor say aye. Those opposed, nay. I believe the nays happened. Are we ready to vote on this proposal? Any further discussion? Yes, ma'am. Keep it clean. We have another one. Thank you, Mr. President. Christy Stussman from Indiana. Um, I just wanted to um, propose an amendment. Um, I, I understand completely that the language Indian or Indian tribe is in the Constitution. 
However, since then, there have been native peoples who have sovereign nations as referred to by my uh, colleague from Minnesota. So I would suggest that we add an amendment that says native American peoples or sovereign nations as referred to previously as Indian or Indian tribes. Just to clarify that and recognize uh, the, that since the Constitution has been written, they have been recognized. So do we have that in writing? So this amendment would, would say that we're going to recognize native peoples and sovereign tribes, which were formerly referred to in the con or previously referred to in the constitutions as Indian tribes. All right, I'll go ahead and recognize you while we work on this language. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I, I don't know if this will be considered a, a, a friendly amendment or not, but um, can we maybe change the uh, name of Indiana? While we're at it, <laughs> I'm thinking the state of Native American and Indian tribes for the new name. <laughs> Actually, I think it's named after the Speedway. <laughs> you know what? You may be. Mr. President, I would leave that to the will of the body. I would note that on February 10th, 1829, the state of Indiana made an application claiming all the public lands in their state, stating that this state being a sovereign, free, and independent state has the exclusive right to the soil and eminent domain of all the inappropriated lands within her acknowledged boundaries, which right was reserved to her by the state of Virginia in the deed of session of the Northwest Territory of the United States being confirmed and established by the Articles of Confederacy in the Constitution of the United States, and Utah simply seeks to be uh, equal with Indiana and the other states. Thank you, Virginia. I'm with you, brother. I'm Arizona and New Mexico. and So we've discovered that the language is not a complete sentence, so we need to work on that a little bit. We need clarification on the text that is being proposed. All right, the amendment is now on the screen correctly. Do we have any questions about the amendment? Oklahoma. Or Oklahoma. Thank you, Mr. President. Mark LePak from Oklahoma. Uh, folks, we have a situation in Oklahoma now uh, with the McGirt decision recently where uh, for major crimes, 42% of the state is now considered Indian country. We're using a lot of terms that right now aren't settled whether you're talking about tribe, sovereignty, uh, uh, Native Americans. Though, the, so I would caution against getting away from existing language in the Constitution that refers to Indians because you'll open a can of worms that currently is in doubt. And there's a lot of appeals going on with the Supreme Court right now. I think if this were to float out there, it might have a lot of implications uh, that that even the, the tribes would consider as positive and negative, depending on which tribe you talk to and depending on which case you're working on. So I, I would suggest not adding this amendment simply because of the uncertainty of the language that we're using. Thank you. So there is an objection to the amendment. Any further discussion? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, members, I would uh, resist this amendment. Uh, coming from Montana, we have no trouble calling the Native Americans there Indian. Our Constitution uses that word. Our own Native Americans there call themselves Indian. Uh, also, in if you read Professor Nadelson's work, 
one of the things he urges about amendments is that they stay consistent with constitutional language. So I think that uh, Mr. Ivory is correct. We need to stay consistent with the language that the Constitution uses. So we, again, uh, we resist this amendment. All right, folks, we're, we're at the end of our time for this matter, so we're going to go ahead and vote. Uh, we have the amendment. Uh, we'd like you, if you'd like to close on your amendments, she waves. So all in favor of the amendment are going to say aye. Those opposed will say no. All in favor, aye. Aye. All opposed, no. no. And it is not approved. So if you would close, Mr. Representative Ivory, on the proposal. Thank you, Mr. President. I, I, I appreciate the time that you all have uh, paid attention on this today and for the last 15 years that I've been one key on a piano for a while because this matters. When I was first elected to the Utah legislature, the discussion was about funding education and we were at the time two and a half billion dollars below average in per pupil funding for education. And one of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle suggested increasing income tax that would raise 20 million dollars as a solution to being two and a half billion dollars below average in per pupil funding. And at the end of the day, we're still two and a half billion dollars below average. And, and I was naive and young, and as was pointed out earlier, I'm still a little naive and hopefully young, not as young as I was, but, uh, but we looked for solutions that really mattered, solutions that were big enough to the problem. We have problems in the United States of America where we have $33 trillion in national debt. It's unfathomable. I was uh, jesting with some of our friends the other day. If any of you know how long it would take to count to one trillion if you started right now by ones, 32,000 years is one trillion. We're 33 trillion in debt. The interest will be accumulating at the rate of a trillion dollars a year within the next two to three years crowding out all of the funding to all of our states. And there's more recoverable oil than the rest of the world combined in Utah, Colorado, and Wyoming. There are $250 trillion in mineral value in those states, rare earth elements. But beyond that, the environmental devastation is horrific. The greatest source of PM 2.5 pollution is from the wildfires caused by the way our Forest Service literally does manage our forests for maximum combustion. And after the fires, then come the floods because there's nothing to hold back the rain and all of the land comes down. In Arizona, boulders the size of buses come down, killing 30 to 50 animals per acre in the million acre wildfires. This is the greatest preventable environmental devastation of our age, completely preventable. But the constitutional destruction from this inequality, when the Shelby case said the constitutional equality of the state is essential to the harmonious operation of the republic, we can see the Republic is not operating harmoniously because whenever 
they want something in Washington, they could simply hold the Western states hostage and they know they've got the votes. It's not how our republic is supposed to function. And when that is opened up, you all get to provide engineering and you get to provide the supplies and the machinery and the equipment when we simply trust people with land and liberty. I'll close, Mr. President, with this. The only Supreme Court justice from Utah is named George Sutherland. And he said, man has three great rights. Life, liberty, property. They're so bound together as to be a single right. Because if you give a man his life, but you take away his liberty, you take away all that makes life worth living. If you give him his liberty, but you take away the property that is the fruit and the badge of his liberty, you still leave him a slave. It's time that we treat all the states equally, that this union can get to where it, ha where it functions harmoniously. And again, thank you for this time. I suggest it is time for an environmental, economic, and constitutional renaissance. I would encourage your support. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, just a moment, we'll take the roll call on this, our final proposal. And uh, when we complete that, we will still have a little business to attend to. I hope you will, I'd like to say a word after we finish, and then we'll do a few other things. And people who need to go will be able to go, but if you want to stay until closer to 4 o'clock, we do have time to do that. So, and we are going to have pictures taken, too. So with having said that, the secretary will call the roll. Alabama. Alaska. Aye. Arizona. Aye. Arkansas. Aye. California. Aye. Colorado. Aye. Connecticut. Yes. Delaware. Yes. Florida. Yes. Georgia. Yes. Hawaii. Yes. Idaho. President, Idaho, where God spent a lot of his days and most of his weekends. <laughs> Illinois. Yes. Indiana. Yes. Iowa. Yes. Kansas. Aye. Kentucky. Yes. Louisiana. Yes. Maine. Yes. Maryland. Yes. Massachusetts. Massachusetts, home to one of our most sacred minerals, Plymouth Rock. <laughs> Michigan. Yes. Minnesota. Yes. Mississippi. Yes. Missouri. Absent. Montana. Yes. Nebraska. Yes. Nevada. Nevada, yes. New Hampshire. First in the nation, primary state votes, yes. New Jersey. New Jersey present? Absent. New Mexico? Yes. New York? Yes. North Carolina? Aye. North Dakota? Aye. Ohio? Aye. Aye. Says yes. Oklahoma? Yes. Oregon? Pennsylvania? Yes. South Carolina? Yes. South Dakota? Yes. Tennessee? Aye. Texas? Yes. Utah? For Arizona and the other western states and ourselves and our posterity, we vote aye.
Vermont. Yes. Virginia. Virginia in sympathy to its Western brethren. <laughs> Vigorously, yes. Washington. Yes. West Virginia. Yes. Wisconsin. Yes. Wyoming. Aye. Mr. President, we have 47 ayes, zero noes, and two absent. 47 yeas, no nays, and the proposal is adopted. I was reading on the way here some of the great speeches of our founding fathers, and it was more an offhand remark by Benjamin Franklin. He was asked about the new Constitution. How long will it last? And he said, until the people deserve a despotic government. We are really very close to that. And I think that's why men and women from every corner of our nation have come here. They've been asked to come here and speak. We've been here on behalf of the people of this country who don't want to deserve a despotic government. We want to have a great government. We want Washington to be a shining city on the hill, and we want to preserve our freedom for all generations in, in gratitude for the freedom and the liberties that we've received. On behalf of our officers, I want to thank all of you for your participation, your service, not only here, but a lifetime of service for so many. I'd like to ask for your permission for the Vice President and the Secretary and I to draft a resolution thanking all of those at the Convention of States, the staff, the officers, the donors, everyone who's participated and to make this event a reality, our committee chairman and others who've worked so hard. Uh, may I have your permission uh, to uh, draft such a resolution? Yes, thank you. And following up what we said, all in favor say aye, and those opposed no. Those in favor say aye. aye. Those opposed no. So that is adopted. Now, we're going to uh, kind of stand at ease before we officially adjourn. If you need to go, then you're very free to go. But what I'd like to do now, while the cameras are still rolling, and we have people here, is give those of us who can remain a little while a chance to maybe take the mic and talk a little bit about this experience and what you feel like you have gained from it, what you've learned from it, what the American people can take from it, about the potential for a convention of states, its pitfalls, its problems. If we are privileged to have a convention of states, what should it look like, what it should attempt to do? So I'm open to volunteers who would like, you've been speaking a lot, so if you'd like to address this topic, you can maybe come on either side and take up to uh, three or four minutes each if you would like to. And if you don't come, I'll start calling on people. So, yes, sir. Yes, uh, when are we going to do that? Our staff can tell us when we'll be. As soon as we're done. All right. Well, we'll take uh, a few minutes. Thank you, Mr. President. Dan Knodel, uh, Wisconsin. Uh, I would make a motion to adjourn at this time. We can do the pleasantries afterwards for those who would like to stay. Move to adjourn. All right. All right. Is there any objection? Hearing none, we will stand adjourned, but we will stay for those who can, and we will have a little reminiscing and some thoughts. All right? Yes. 
All in favor of adjourning at this time, say aye. Aye. Those opposed, no. And we do stand adjourned, signing up. Thank you for listening to the Convention of States Legacy Podcast. To learn more about our grassroots movement, go to www.conventionofstates.com.